I'm Russ Boris, and this is 8-Track. Before we dig in, welcome. You'll hear from me and a bunch of great guests across season one, and of course, music. Eight songs lead the way in each conversation, so 8-Track is definitely more than a mixtape, and I hope you enjoy it and spread the word. Our first guest DJ is writer, producer, and showrunner Brian Koppelman. He's built an impressive resume over the last 20-plus years, best known for his work on the Showtime series Billions and films like Rounders and Ocean's 13. Brian also began his career in the music industry, working at A&R, and currently hosts the podcast The Moment, and all those worlds came together in his song choices. Happy to welcome Brian Koppelman to the show. Hello. Oh, man, it's truly a treat to do this with you. I'm such a longtime FUV person. Uh, this is awesome. That's great. Thank you so much, Brian. Really glad to have you here. Um, we have a pretty cool theme for the show today. As I asked you, uh, the eight songs that you're going to play and what kind of theme you might have and, and what kind of thread would run for those. And you chose songs that could be movies but aren't written by Bruce, Lou, Joni, or Bob. Yeah, well... Uh, I love the idea of songs that have a cinematic quality to them and that tell a story. And there's no doubt that the artists I named, Joni and, and Bruce and Bob, you know, we could sit here and just play songs by those um, artists, but we all know those artists so well. We know those songs so well. I'm not sure that's, that we're going to all discover something uh, again in Dirty Boulevard or meeting across the river. So I felt like in talking to you, Ross, if we could do stuff that, the way that FUV is always trying to expand our horizons and our knowledge, even though these are not obscure artists that we're playing, but they're just maybe not the most famous other than one or two of the most famous tracks by those artists. And for me, it seemed like a really fun concept that ties in the stuff I do with the stuff that they do. Excellent. So what is it about this particular song from David and David that fits that bill to you? To me, Welcome to the Boomtown by David and David, David Bearwald and David Ricketts. It's a Michael Mann movie in a four minute record produced by the great David Sigerson. All of them were like in their early 20s when they made the record, both Davids and David. And you can feel the ambition that, that these people had. You know, there's something also cinematic about the fact that they only made one album. The album went gold, you know, and they were on their way, but the two guys couldn't quite make it, just like the characters in a lot of their songs. Miss Christina drives a 944. Satisfaction oozes from her pole. The dialogue in this, uh, I'll tell you, is a huge influence. I was in college when this album came out. I remember buying it before it broke. I remember rooting for it. And I remember the way in which the stories that David Bearwald told, the way he sang those stories, gave me a peek into a demimond and into the way characters like this might talk. And if you know the work that my partner David Levine and I have done, you can hear how we have echoed his lyrics in our own way, but you can hear their influence, not as much as David Mamet, but it's in there almost as much. David and David, and welcome to the Boomtown. 
on 8-Track. Our guest today is Brian Koppelman. Brian, what is it about music in film and in television that just kind of, yeah, I don't know, accentuates what you're doing or heightens the show or, or a scene or a segment or a character? What is it about the music in film and TV? It's one of the most fascinating, coolest, and satisfying parts of the job that my partner Dave and I have, which is picking the music for the show. We have an amazing composer who does the score, but then most episodes of Billions have two, certainly everyone has one sort of spotlighted, highlighted song uh, that plays over stuff. And if you've ever watched, uh, been in an editing room and watched a movie or a drama without the music there, it kind of plays flat most of the time. And it's only when you add the music that you get this combination effect, this accretive effect happens. And the combination of these things just makes what's happening on screen that much more satisfying. And, and it's what's so incredible about the medium uh, that I get to work in is we are not limited by just the visual. We can use movement, we can use sound, we can use music, and we use images, uninflected images as well. And, and so it's an, an incredible uh, playground to, to, to play in, you know? It's funny that you mentioned that because I think there are times if you just see, you know, on Twitter or something, there'll be some video. It's supposed to be, you know, gut-wrenching or heartwarming or anything. And if you just kind of see it, you don't really pay attention. If you click on the audio, 100%. and then there's some sort of score or theme behind it, then the waterworks start flowing, you know? You're right. Look, music hits us all in such a primal place. And, and, and sometimes the visual stuff we take in intellectually first if we don't have the sound. But what the sound does is it, it taps in in a different way to the endocrine system, right? And it, it just, it, it connects to feelings and then maybe leads to an intellectual response. And I think the visual stuff works the opposite way. Okay, your next choice is an FUV favorite for sure. And that is the Hold Steady. What is it about slapped actress that made you want to play it on the show? Well, I mean, uh, in lots of ways, Craig Finn, the lyricist for the Hold Steady, writes the songs of Tad Kubler. And some of the things Tad doesn't get enough credit for laying down these incredible beds of music. But Craig is also a lyricist who creates entire worlds. It has one of the coolest and also sort of cool dialogue openings. Don't tell my sister about your most recent vision. Don't tell my family there are wicked strict Christians. And that line just gets you right into this whole worldview and the situation this character finds himself in. I mean, the unified scene is this tied together long, it's like the Decalogue or something. It's this long movie that's somehow connected about all these different things. The thematics run through. And in a way, his songs are like modern Cassavetes movies. And he name checks Cassavetes in the song. And I always thought that was really badass. And I just love it. This is A-Track from WFUV with Brian Koppelman. We made it down to New York With everything intact Amy Mann and I've had it. Kind of a criminally underrated songwriter, Amy Mann. Brian, very nice choice. 
What is it about her writing that speaks to you? Well, that's our Cameron Crowe song for the night about a rock band just trying to keep it together. And then came in from Jersey. There's so much, so many little references in that record. John Bryan produced that. And um, yeah, I, I would say that I think Amy Mann is among the most important songwriters of the generation. I mean, I think people who love music know who she is. And for me, the specificity of her writing, she's the least lazy writer. Every rhyme is just right. The meter is always just right. Her melodies are incredible. I just find every one of her albums to knock me out. That song in particular about a trip from Boston to New York and showing up to unload your stuff at a club in New York City. I did A&R during the time that this song was written and I, I just relate to it in a very heavy way. So we all just started playing And then something strange occurred Not a person stirred I do see it as a Cameron Crowe movie. You feel in there how much she and the band care and how crushing the business can be. There isn't a single thing in an Amy Man album that she doesn't want in there. Yeah. You know, every detail, yes. it's meticulous, it's all by design. And you can go in, record in and record out, and check that catalog. They're always so consistent. They don't sound the same, but the level of consistency is, is ridiculous. I agree. I, I had Amy on my, I've known her for a very long time, and I got to have her on my podcast a few years ago. And we talked a lot about how she thinks about songwriting and why she does it. As a writer, I find her incredibly inspiring, the specificity of the world that she creates in her songs. Now, you mentioned briefly the early days of A&R. So for those who are not familiar, you know, you were in the music business in the beginning. Can you talk a little bit about that history? Sure. Yeah, that, that's what I did out of college. I, I mean, in college, too, actually. And so from college, uh, where I was working with artists, managing them, producing demos, I helped launch Tracy Chapman's career. And, and that got me an A&R job at Electra Records and worked there and at Warner Brothers and EMI and did that until David and I wrote Rounders uh, in a basement. And that was the way out of the business. I loved everything about the music business except being an executive in it. Did you always have aspirations to write? Yes, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to give voice to it until when our first, when Amy and my first child, not Amy Mann, Amy Kaufman, my wife, who's a great novelist, when, when our first child was born, I realized I wasn't going to be able to tell my kids to go live their dreams unless I tried to. And it made me recognize that I needed to go become a writer. Our next songwriter, another one that I'd venture to say is a little bit on the underrated, but probably just a little less known yes. as somebody like Amy Mann, and that's Richard Chindell. Well, what's awesome about Richard Chindell and the artists we're going to play afterwards, I was introduced to Richard Chindell, and I'm a fanatical music fan. You know, I, I spent so much of my day trying to find music and making playlists and listening to music. And 
F-U-V is why I found Richard Schindel. However many years ago, I have a 25-year-old son, and I guess he was probably in first grade at the time. I remember we were crossing the park, and this guy's voice came on telling these stories. It's the middle of the night, near the Indiana line. I'm pulling in at Christian Station. I'd never heard of him. I didn't connect him to Cry, Cry, Cry at first. This was probably just after the Cry, Cry, Cry album. And uh, I freaked out and I had to get everything by uh, Shindell. And then, yes, you're right. It turns out he writes these little jewels of songs. I am wretched. I'm tired. But the preacher is on fire. This song in particular is our road movie. I mean, it is a song about a truck driver. Whoever watches over truckers. It's hard for me to decide if I wanted to play Kenworth of my dreams or next best Western, but the religious imagery in this song wins out because it's so much about what Shindell cares about. Lord, deliver me, deliver me to the next best Western. This is a track from WFUV. My drinking days are Slade Cleaves and Drinkin' Days. I think Slade doesn't write anything but little movie songs. Yeah, man. I mean, who's better than Slade Cleaves? And it's funny, Slade and I went to college together but never met. We were there at the exact same time. And we're pretty good friends now, all these years later. And uh, I can't believe I never met him. I wouldn't have been introduced to him probably if it weren't for FUV. I heard Broke Down off his second album. And... Uh, that made me want to just know everything about him too and, and his music and I mean, that was a very long time ago and in fact i i then saw slade open for cliff eberhardt at the bottom line just after 9 11 about 14 days after 9 11. slade was up in boston and got caught there and then came down here and opened for cliff eberhardt and it was the first time my wife and i went out after 9 11 in new york and, and the other people i'm sure everyone remembers what it was like in the city and, and we went out and uh watching slade do his thing just brought the room together i mean cliff eberhardt was magical too watching slade for us was really just beautiful i turned around and wrangling ronald's headed for a bra was a cop I guess I didn't care Sometimes you gotta act like you gotta pair And Broke Down he wrote with Rod Picot this song he wrote himself but that's our western movie right? There's a brawl in a saloon and so that's our little western Yeah I love that your theme here is all these little movie songs My drinking days are over You know, you mentioned earlier David and David, but are there other songwriters that that directly or indirectly influence the way you write story or the way you script dialogue? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a bigger influence than meeting across the river. You know, Bruce's song, if you just think about what that song's about, it's like um, probably David, my first two movies are just like versions of meeting across the river, uh, just slightly different settings. Yeah, Bob Dylan and Bruce. And uh, if you're someone who like, is fascinated by words every play that you go to every movie you watch every song that you hear every conversation you walk by on the street you're picking up turns of phrase and you're thinking about words i mean you know i love music and i love words and i love thinking about the way people express themselves but for sure bruce and bob and lou reed 
I mean, those are for me are the probably the Trinity, but there are so many more, you know, Chuck Berry too, by the way, I, I didn't choose a Chuck Berry song for this, but I could have made it all Chuck Berry songs too. You know, I've talked to different songwriters about the process and to see how, you know, bits of a song might drift out or get left on the cutting room floor or, or eventually find their way back into something else. Does it work that way with writing script? Oh, 100%. I mean, even the expression cutting room floor is from movies and uh, from the editing room. Now it's digital and an avid, but I mean, you used to cut film and, and the scraps could end up on the floor to get swept away. Yeah. And, and often the thing that made you want to make the piece of work in the first place is the thing you end up cutting. You know, in the editing process, like in the mixing process, uh, you, you need to be ruthless. And on Billions, we are constantly, you know, you write the script and you shoot the episode. And then in the editing room, you kind of forget, intentionally forget what you really thought you were going to do. And you take the footage you have and you tell the best story that you can, you know, with that material. Do you ever look back and, you know, watch an episode or reflect on a film and think, oh, I wish that part would have stayed in? Yeah, you love that part, but you know that you've served the whole. Like, Billions season five got cut short because of the pandemic. The last episode that aired, we had a huge subplot that would have been perfect if that episode were the middle of the season. And it's a really fun and funny subplot. But what David and I realized was if we left that in, there wasn't enough momentum to make it a mid-season end of the thing. And we had to call these actors up and say, you did amazing work. We're going to cut this whole six minutes out of the show because the purpose of the episode had to shift. So yeah, you're doing that stuff all the time. This is 8-Track. Our guest today is Brian Koppelman. We're moving to Robert Crate. I can hear the couple fighting right next door. Their angry words sound clear, decent walls. Tell me about this song. Well, yeah, I mean, I just love this song, Right Next Door, because of me. Look, the blues tradition is one that's a storytelling tradition and often about the hint of violence or murder and affairs. And I made a rule with myself that if I have the opportunity to see a living legend and I've never seen them perform, I will go do it. And I hadn't seen Robert Cray. This is probably four years ago. I couldn't get anyone to go with me. And I went to BB King's when it was still around. And I got one ticket, it was totally sold out, and I squeezed into one of the tables there, and it was just blistering. But she was just another notch on my guitar. She's gonna lose the man that really loves her. In the silence, I can hear their breaking heart. I mean, he still is just as cool and as smart, and the character that he created this modern blues character whose lineage you can trace all the way back, but he's also super postmodern in the way he understands what it is that he's doing. And nobody plays guitar better. This is 8-Track. From WFUV. On a lark, on a whim, I said there's two kinds of men in this world and you're neither of them. And his fist cut the smoke. 
Songs that she sang in the shower and Jason Isbell. Brian, I feel like he could have done an entire show. Movie songs written by Isbell, but why that one? Southeastern to me, I think it's one of the best albums of all time. And it's a weird thing to say about an album that only came out nine years ago, but it has only grown in stature. And even though Jason was in Drive By Truckers, it's the thing that introduced him to the world as Jason Isbell. And um, I think he's the best living songwriter, you know, under 60 years old. I think that he has the gift of melody, you know, combined with a gift for telling stories that very few people who make music have ever had. And if you go see him perform, every night is like a complete religious experience. He's my favorite songwriter, and I've done two podcasts with him, and I just think he's a beautiful guy and uh, an incredible songwriter. Yeah, some of those songs, you know, Elephant, for instance, is just kind of, it's just a gut punch. It actually, even and, and on albums subsequent to Southeastern, too. I mean, 24 Frames, an incredible song, If We Were Vampires. I could have picked many of Jason Isbell's songs, but there's something about songs that she sang in the shower that is a little independent movie. It's our Jim Jarmusch movie. Yeah, there are two kinds of men in this world and you're neither of them. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And experience tells me that I'll never hear them again Without thinking of them Without thinking of them uh, You mentioned your podcast called The Moment. You know, what was the premise behind that when you started that years ago? Yeah, it started in 2013 and it I was really fascinated by what I call inflection points, these moments in people's lives, creative people's lives, where it seemed very hard for them to move forward, either because they'd had failure or success. And and I'm very interested in beginnings too. How do artists decide to take the risk and take the chance? And one of the things I, I talked about was wanting to know what it was like the first time R.E.M. played together. Like, did Mike Mills look at Peter Buck and know oh, this is the beginning of something incredibly special. And I had Rick Rubin on. I got to ask him what it felt like to make the Johnny Cash albums. And when Cash played him, when the man comes around, what did that feel like, Rick, when this guy takes his guitar out and plays that song for you? That's his elegy to himself in a way and about meeting his maker. And I just love having those conversations. I'm, I'm incredibly, you know, you're asking the questions and I'm trying to honor that by speaking, but my favorite role is when I'm asking the questions and I get to lead with my curiosity and the podcast allows me to do that. Well, uh, thank you for letting us ask you the questions today and thank you for playing DJ. Brian Koppelman has been our guest on 8-Track today. I'm Russ Boris. I love the theme, songs that could be movies but aren't written by Bruce, Lou, Joni, or Bob. Take us out with one more here. Tell us about this Guy Clark song. Well, you'd have to know this is going to end with either Guy Clark or Towns Van Zant, And I chose Guy's song, The Guitar. We could have done Desperado's Waiting for a Train, but the guitar is slightly less known. But for me, this is the Vim Vendors movie. Well, I was passing by a pawn shop in an older part of town. 
something caught my eye And I stopped and turned around I stepped inside and there I spied In the middle of it all Was a beat-up old guitar Hanging on the wall It's got spirituality in it And it's about music And it's about what's possible What we think is impossible And about figuring out who and what it is you are meant to be. And it's also really spooky. So it's got all these elements that uh, that I love. The old man finally got up, said, where in the hell you been? I've been waiting all these years for you to stumble in. And then he took down an old dusty case and said, go on, pack it up. You don't owe me nothing. And then he said, good luck. There was something spooky in his voice and something strange on his face. And when he shut the lid, I saw my name was on the case. The Guitar by Guy Clark, chosen by 8-track guest DJ Brian Koppelman. And thanks again to Brian for the time and the music. 8-track is engineered by Jim O'Hara and produced by Sarah Wardrop, with theme music by Caroline Rose. And Caroline will be my guest on next week's episode. Subscribe, listen, and learn more at 8trackpod.com. I'm Russ Boris for WFUV in New York.